Welcome to Better Advertising with Better AMS. I'm your co-host, Justin Knuckles, and today's conversation between my co-host, Destiny Wishon, CEO of Better AMS, and Matt Gallant, CEO of Buy Optimizers, is loaded with marketing insights about crafting your product design and advertising directly from your ideal customer avatar first. On a more personal topic, if you want to spend more time this year in the areas you're crazy passionate about, it makes it easy to burn through six hours. There's some really good personality test recommendations from these two for the personal development fans out there. Leaning into your strengths is the biggest takeaway, and Matt details that well in here. Stick to the end. Let's quit wasting time and get on into it. Welcome, everyone, to the Better Advertising with Better AMS podcast. My name is Destiny Washan. I am CEO of Better AMS. And today we have probably one of my favorite new traffic and supplement brands by Matt Gallant, the CEO. Matt, super excited to have you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, we've had a, a mutual friend, Taylor, and he's raved about you many times. So excited to connect. <laughs> Well, I'm pretty sure I have been buying at least your nootropics for almost a year and a half. And it started when we had our first team retreat. And Taylor has to optimize his sleep and everything he does. So he was passing out magnesium to the whole team. I'm pretty sure we passed out almost a full bottle of your magnesium. And that's where we got introduced. Yeah. Magnesium has been our our bestseller. That's been a grand slam because it works. You know, and I think my first advice for anybody listening is get obsessed with product quality. And again, I'm from the world of direct response marketing. And I think the difference between the biggest brands, and and I think this is going to continue growing, is the the companies that focus on creating superior products. Because early on, you can create superior marketing and actually probably gain more traction compared to a company that's got bad marketing and good products. But over time, that word of mouth and your reputation and credibility as a company just comes down to how effective your products are. And you see that, of course, with Amazon reviews, like a 4.5 star is going to sell a lot more and continue growing versus a three and a half star. So product quality is everything to me. That's kind of my main obsession. I absolutely love that. And I think it's really interesting to go on to Amazon and look at these typical CPG retail brands that you know I grew up with, Tide, Clorox, things like that. And you'll find a product and it will have maybe three and a half stars. You know, I've seen it frequently with Tide Pods talking about how the packaging actually melts and it's ruining the quality of the overall product. But Tide has been a legacy brand that was able to get into retail and they can bring any product into retail, but maybe they gave up a little bit on the quality side. And I think that's where smaller startup brands that are really penetrating the space have that opportunity to just have an amazing product. And like you said, Ward travels so much quicker with social nowadays. Yeah, the the main obsession is figuring out what is value. And Mm -hmm. in every market, every niche, the answer is different. Like the hard part is figuring out what does value look like for the avatar that you're trying to serve? And if you're constantly obsessed with that, you will win. Uh, I would say here's here's one big piece of advice. And that is the reduction of friction. So there's kind of two main ways to increase value. One is obviously more effectiveness, more potency, more value, right? But I think a lot of people underestimate the value in people's minds in terms of friction reduction. If you look at Uber, for an example, 
the car is still getting you from point A to point B, right? I mean, it's the same thing as a taxi used to give us. So how did Uber outcompete the entire taxi industry? It really comes down to friction reduction. From back in the day, you would phone a taxi company and you were lucky if they'd pick up the phone. <laughs> so that was your first point of friction. Then you had to talk to an operator, describe where you were going, another point of friction. Then you'd be waiting for the cab to arrive. You didn't know when he was coming and then they'd start honking and you'd go outside. Third point of friction. Then you'd get in the car. It, it, typically, drivers wouldn't care. It'd be a smelly cab. <laughs> Next point of, of friction. And then you had to give the taxi driver money and then decide how much you're going to give him tips. So just nothing but friction. And if you look at Uber, that's really what they've done. I mean, that's the power of apps and technology. Same thing with Netflix, right? We used to have to drive to Blockbuster, rent, you know, spend five bucks in gas, 10, 15 minutes drive, and then go back the next day. And then Netflix comes out and they completely eliminate that with streaming. So in every market, there's ways to reduce friction. And I think that sometimes it's very difficult. And that's a big point is like R&D, true R&D takes time. So we, one of the things we did is like three years ago, we created a partnership with the Birch University in Sarajevo. And we've been doing nonstop experiments. We, we've done over a thousand laboratory experiments on enzymes and probiotics. And we're starting to, to develop incredible moats and advantages that you just can't recreate unless you're spending that time of energy and money into product development. So I, I think that people don't push themselves any deep enough when it comes to innovation. And again, it's really about your North Star innovation is like, what is value? And then just pushing deeper and deeper until you crack that code. So there's two things I really want to hit on there. One, you talked about, you have to understand your target audience in order to reduce friction. So you have to know exactly who you're targeting and what their friction point is. And then you can expand into the R&D side and continue to invest in that. How do you know, especially in such a capital-intensive business, how niche to go? I mean, they always say the riches are in the niches, but then you're pretty much... You hit a ceiling at some point and then you need to begin expanding. How did you know in such a saturated space that takes a lot of capital, where to begin? That's a great question. First of all, I think that you want to use kind of a boxing strategy in your marketing journey. And what I mean by that is... Again, I'm a big fan of UFC and I used to train MMA and all that stuff. And what they do in boxing and in fighting in general is like if it's your first fight, you're just going to fight somebody that's 0 and 0 or 1 and 0. You're not going to be fighting a champion, right? And if you have a good manager, they'll try to pair you up with fights that you can win. And obviously, as you get more and more skilled, you're going to be fighting bigger and tougher competitors. And I think that marketing and business is the same way. So if somebody's just getting started, they're listening to this podcast and they want to get going, going into a tough market that's hyper competitive is generally a really bad idea, right? People typically don't have the skill level or again, the product innovation to outcompete people that have been around for a long time. So my suggestion is always, well, niche deeper because if you're the only competitor in the ring, you can win by default. Okay. Now that's very, very rare to find a new niche that there's no competitors in. But that's the idea. Now, here's a really important point when it comes to niches. There's always new ones emerging. 
And the way to look at it, it's almost like cells dividing themselves. And of course, I've been in the health and fitness market since I'm 19. I was a trainer for 10 years, built a couple of personal training companies, sold them, then got into this world. And it's just been an ongoing journey. And you know, if you look at back in the 70s, it was just like bodybuilding, and then fitness came around to the 80s. And then now you've got, you know, like 30, 40 different fitness niches from CrossFit to female bodybuilding to physique to, you know, all the the different endurance sports, like it just continues subdividing, right? So my the biggest advice I can give anybody is depth. You you need to burrow in like a mole. And if you can borrow deeper and faster than other people, you will be on the bleeding edge, right? The goal is to ride the crest of the wave. Because if you're too late, obviously, it's going to be harder. And, you know, timing, when they analyze uh, a lot of the, the big, the most successful companies of all time, timing was the number one factor. And companies like Apple are incredible at timing. They come in what seems to be a little bit later. They're not trying to be pioneers. But it's because they know that no matter when they come in, they're going to be incredibly competitive. So they're very strategic that way. But for new people starting out, I think that being early is a really, really important advantage and again, if, if you're the only competitor or one of the few ones, you can kind of win by default. You don't need to win necessarily with skill. And as you get better and better, you can start competing in tougher arenas. So I'll give our journey because, again, it's a great example of what I'm talking about. So the first product we launched was a natural bodybuilding book. And keep in mind, this is you know about 2004, so 18 years ago. So I, at that time, that niche was kind of just emerging. It was a relatively new niche. Wade, my business partner, co-founder, had won natural bodybuilding titles. So I figured you know, we, we would have a good chance at competing in that market and doing well. We launched on Google AdWords. We launched with 100 bucks, and we made over 10 grand that first month. And we just kept plowing the money in and plowing the money in. Fast forward about a year and change, and we we had discovered the power of enzymes um, through Dr. Michael O'Brien and became super fans of enzymes. And then, again, this is an example of burrowing in. I, I looked at the market and I said, okay, well, how do we create a better version of this enzyme formula? And because we knew the market well, and at that time, protein was really starting to explode, I figured, well, the competitive advantage is creating a proteolytic enzyme blend, which means it digests protein and create the strongest proteolytic blend on the market. So that was kind of the angle and the product advantage that I focused on. And we built the strongest proteolytic enzyme and it's still our second best selling product. So it, again, I was deep enough to see that advantage. And that's why depth is really the most important advantage. And I would also say that if you're hyper-passionate and I would say that passion is a requirement for success, but I'm just passionate about health. So like I, I'm always reading research and I love, I love something I heard a long time ago, which is like your Friday night essence. Like, what are you doing on a Friday night? What are you doing on your time off? What are you doing when you're not working in terms of consuming information? And that's a very good sign of things that you could be very competitive in. So I'll stop there, but. 
<laughs> no, that that's absolutely fantastic. And I, I'm a personally a really big believer that your philosophy that you've had with just R&D and understanding the market is going to play a really big role just in like general advertising and how quickly e-commerce changes. So, you know, Amazon was that wave and a lot of people hopped in and saw a lot of success. I mean, Better AMS from a timing perspective just happened to get in at a great time and grow our brand authority and our brand presence. And now we've been able to expand into general retail media, things like that. But I don't think that rate of change, that pace is going to slow down. I think we're truly in a whole new era of commerce. And we see it across, you know, across the market platforms. It was Amazon PPC and Google AdWords. And now we're seeing TikTok and kind of different iterations of what Meta is rolling out. And I think that once you have the R&D and the passion side figured out, the next big game is going to be, hey, how can we drive the most traffic at the lowest cost? It's going to be CPA. And I think that's going to be really fun because there's so many different platforms rolling out. It's like how quickly you can test without getting caught up in shiny object syndrome. And I think that's going to be a, a really fun arena to be in. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from my friend, Jonathan Mizell, something he said to me like 20 years ago. And he says, whoever has the highest visitor value wins. And that's true for any market. It was true back then. It's true today. It'll be true in 50 years. And what that means is that if your return, and again, we're, I'm from a pay-per-click world. So I've been doing pay-per-click since Overture days, which is prior to Google AdWords. And you know, there is very simple, right? If you're paying more for a click than what you're getting back, you're losing money and vice versa, right? So at the end of the day, the top listing, whoever's number one in any auction will get the line share of the traffic. Now, number two, three, four, five gets some. But Google AdWords has always been that way. Amazon's that way. Like If you're number one in any pay-per-click environment, you can get sometimes five, 10 times more traffic than number two or three. How do you make sure that you can be number one? There's only one way. Your marketing has to be so strong and the product, and I'll, I'll tell you my hierarchy in a second, but the product and marketing has to be so strong that your visitor value is just stronger and higher than two and three. Now, in some arenas, you can be against competitors that maybe raised a bunch of capital and they're willing to bleed for a <laughs> while and you know try to drown you while they're you know trying to gain some market advantage. So that that can happen, but generally, the majority of the time, it's going to come down to visitor value. Now, here's my hierarchy. In my opinion, I'm going to quote Gary Bensavenga, which he was one of the greatest copywriters, if not the greatest copywriter of all time. He said, a mighty product trumps a mighty pen. And I really believe that, again, product... So it's it, the, the base of everything is your avatar and being obsessed with giving them value. And then the product has to be built to serve those needs, those desires, those friction points. Then it's marketing and then it's advertising. And, and it is in that order. And obviously, you know, advertising just captures what the marketing message is and the angle and you know, one of the key principles that not a lot of people focus on when it comes to advertising in copywriting and design is harmonization. So people talk about persuasion and influence, and those are really important driving forces and principles. But probably the easiest one to outcompete your competitors is to focus on harmonization. So what does that mean? Obviously, it's a musical analogy. 
And we're going to go deep here. So one is to play the right song for the right crowd. Obviously, if you're a Metallica <laughs> fan and you walk into a jazz bar, you're not going to be too happy. If a jazz or classical music fan goes to a Metallica concert, they probably won't enjoy it that much. So playing the right song is the first piece. And playing the right song for the right crowd in marketing means that if you're focusing on a female audience, then your design, the, the look and feel, the imagery, the videos should have women that women can relate to that might be inspirational for, again, that avatar. And the more precise that is, the better. So if you're targeting women that are let's say in their 40s, you know, you don't want a woman that maybe is in her 80s or in their 20s. You, you need to be, again, harmonized visually with that audience. Then same thing with the copy. Um, obviously, with copy, there's an infinite number of tones you can take. And I'm talking to young men. I'm going to write intense, aggressive, testosterone-fueled copy. Whereas if I'm talking to a woman in their 50s, the, the tone in the copy has to be very, very different. So... Headlines, you know, if you if you harmonize, and this is an old, old trick, but it still works. You know, whatever your headline copy is on, say, a Google AdWords ad, if that same copy is the headline on your lander, again, it's harmonized. People expect to be delivered the information or the promise that's made on the ad on the lander. And again, the more you can harmonize all of these little things, the, the better your advertising is going to perform. So anyways, those are some, some little tricks. I'll, I'll say something that I see brands make a mistake of is not having appropriate expectations, being too confident, going into the space with a protein and saying, I'm not going to niche down because that is going to decrease my opportunity to increase my revenue. Instead, they go and say, I want to target both men and women because then that audience size puts me at a $10 million of opportunity. When in reality, what they're doing is they're negating both of those because they're not aligning, they're not harmonizing. So I think like expectation setting is such an important aspect. Like you're not Rocky, you're not Creed going into it. It's, you know, like you said, fight within your class and make sure that you're able to really dominate whatever industry you're going into and then slowly move up and you can build awareness as you grow and you have that authority. As consumers, and you and I are no different, we want true expertise. We want masters. That's a natural desire. So for an example, if you need brain surgery... You're not going to go see a vet, right? <laughs> like, you know, and you're not going to go see a general practitioner. You're not going to go see, you know, a gynecologist. You're going to go see somebody that's been focusing on brain surgery for, you know, at whatever number of years. And that's all they know. And they're a master of that. It's the same thing, again, with anything we need in life. And it's the same thing with products. It's the same thing with services. Like, you know, you guys started as an Amazon agency and you mastered that. And I think... One piece I didn't cover a few minutes ago related to people's journey is that like we started off as a digestive health company. We asked ourselves, like, which arena, back to the fighting analogy, which fight, which battle do we think we can be number one in in terms of product quality and win? And for us at that time, it was absolutely digestive health. So what we started doing is we started expanding our digestive health line. It was Masszymes and P3OM, which is an incredible probiotic strain, and then Biome Breakthrough. And then we just kept expanding. So we have an entire product suite with every type of digestive enzyme blend for every type of diet from you know 
vegetarian to keto to just general uh, high protein diets and all kinds of other digestive aids. And once we accomplished that, which took us a few years, then we say like, okay, what's the next battle we can win? And now it's it, the, then it was brain optimization, which we're continuing to expand on. We have 13 products there. And now it's sleep. So magnesium, and we just came out with sleep breakthrough. We got Dream Optimizer coming out. And you know, I, I used to own one of the biggest instructional guitar companies in the world called Guitar Control, still around, but you know, YouTube free content really killed our <laughs> business model. We were selling DVDs. And it was the same strategy. We ended up, we had over 80 courses. And what we kept doing was building instructional guitar courses for every single style. We covered everything from beginner jazz to, you know, shred, shred lead guitar to acoustic blues to playing people's favorite songs. And we just kept creating course after course, again, niching deeper and winning by default. So, you know, you said a really key point, which is again, like women, let's take the probiotic category for an example. Three of the top four products are female probiotic blends. Now, here's the truth about those products because we've tested them in the lab. Um, they're crap and, and the design of them is crap. But the reason they're outperforming the majority of other blends is because if you're a woman and you go to Amazon and you see it's a female probiotic blend, whether you're going to automatically think that it's for you now. And I'm not going to focus on the, <laughs> the ethics and the honesty of these companies' claims and the formulations, but from a marketing perspective, it's a great strategy. So again, you know, people tend to be scared to niche deeper, but I would say you want to be niching uncomfortably deep. It's, it's the easiest way to win. And then once you start getting traction in that market, you can start to expand a little bit in width and depth and you know, win more and more niches over time. It's so easy to look at an established company and say, hey, they're my direct competitor and they do all of these things. But in reality, I mean, you said you've been doing this for around 18 years and it's taken time and you've started with those niches and then you've been able to expand your product line. And I, I love the saying, what got you here won't get you there. And I think this is a perfect example of really diving deep. And something you mentioned is advertising is three number three in that list of priorities. And I want to hit on that because our whole podcast is about advertising. But I think a, a lot of people miss that aspect of it, especially right now. When you started on Amazon five to six years ago and pay-per-click was 20 to 30 cents. I know in your category specifically, some of those key terms are around 10 to $12 a click. So mm -hmm. for all of those brands that are relying solely on the pay-per-click, whether it's you know Google, Facebook, Instagram, Amazon, if that is your only strategy, you're then going to be really, really dependent on that PPC, which is out of your control because as costs increase, your efficiency decreases. So it's really, really important that even though you do have access to unlimited number of audiences through the internet and social, you do need to focus on the core aspects of building a brand, the R&D side, the LTV of everyone, the marketing, mm -hmm. the awareness, because the PBC side may be really easy, but it's going to put you in a very risky position long term. Yeah. And I made that mistake. I made a mistake, mistake with guitar control. So I've always been kind of naturally skilled at pay-per-click and mm -hmm. we did really, really well um, spending you know millions and millions on pay-per-click with guitar control. 
And what happened is exactly what you described. And at some point, the cost per clip kept rising and your competitors come in. So it's tougher. People get, you know, one of the best frameworks of all time is Eugene Schwartz's five levels of market sophistication. And when you really understand that model, and I wrote a blog post on my, on my blog called mattgallant.tv. I don't post very often, but some good content there. And when you understand that, that model, what happens is first people make a claim. Any claim, just, you know, if you're the first person to make a claim, again, you can, you can win. And then people expand that claim. And then you, then people come in and they outcompete the, the claimers with a better, with a mechanism. Then the mechanisms get more sophisticated. People start competing on mechanisms and will outcompete other people. And then the pinnacle is what they call a level five market. And at level five, the audience is so skeptical. You know, they've either been burned a credible number of times and the weight loss market is probably one of the best examples of that, right? 97% failure rate and people have just failed over and over again. And there's been so many scams and lies. So it, for, for in order for someone to win in a, in a level five market like weight loss, you need truly a breakthrough marketing strategy. You need to break through... And again, like mechanisms are not going to be enough. Um, and, and again, that's that's not every market. I'd say most markets online on Amazon would be level three, four. Like if you can come out with a better mechanism and prove it and show it and it works, you can win, right? So a couple of key points around this. What's the answer? What's the solution? One is to become omni-channel. And that's one of the things that Bioptimizers has done. You know, we have influencers, affiliates, we do some SEO, we do every type of pay-per-click, we do podcast ads. So, you know, I think we're in like 10 channels. We're just starting on TV now. We're actually doing really well on TV. Um, and it's because I don't want to just rely on Amazon. Amazon's great. It's a great channel. But I have some friends that were doing about 20 million a year a few years ago. And, you know, eventually they got outcompeted and they weren't using other channels and they got into trouble. And I think in, in our space, um, one of the big focuses we have now is retail because you know, direct to consumer is just going to get harder and harder. And I think the brands that truly separate themselves have to go to like physical retail. So we're going to be in Sprouts um, very soon, which is really exciting. And we're going to be, again, expanding our line. Uh, into retail. So yeah, becoming omni-channel, becoming international. We have like 17 different country distributors, which will import our products and then solve all the logistical challenges in their countries, which in our space can be very challenging because every country's got different legal <laughs> requirements on ingredients. So again, these are all different channels and it's a key point, but I'm going to contradict myself, which is you need to hyper-focus on one channel exclusively for about 6 to 12 months when you're getting started. Um, and then once you gain traction in that channel, you know, work with agencies. And I'm a big fan of working with agencies because you're never going to be an expert in every single channel. So finding a really good agency like Better AMS and working with, with them to help you expand these channels that would cost you a lot of time, energy, and money to figure out is just a good, smart move. There's only so many hours in the day. 
And Amazon in itself requires expertise in supply chain, in marketing and building your listing quality and SEO and off-platform traffic and attribution and Amazon search, Amazon DSP. And then you layer in other, every other factor and then everything new that's coming out. And it's a lot. I mean, I always joke like I can barely keep up with the Amazon advertising side and that is what I'm solely an expert in. So I can only imagine as a brand owner... And again, I think it does come back to expectations of like, what are you in it for? And you understanding that, hey, I'm passionate about this industry and this is a long-term goal makes it a lot easier to probably make those bets and those investments to lower your margin, but outsource. That way you can become an expert two to three years from now. And I think that's a really big part of the industry of what I'm seeing now is all the people that hopped in early and love being a solopreneur and making a lot of money. It's probably not as easy as it used to be. <laughs> No, it's not. Um, yeah, what I'm hyper focused on is again superior products, R and D, innovation, and then the marketing. You know, so creating the copy, um, creating split tests. You know, we we do over a thousand split tests a year. I've done about twenty thousand A/B tests in my career. So that's where I'm focused on. And again, in terms of the nuances of each platform, whether it's TikTok or Amazon or Google AdWords. Um, I'd rather just work with agencies and then feed them really good assets that we've built, and then they'll take those assets and start innovating. You know, something that it is really important to understand is like mastery comes down to understanding the nuances. And the only way you can understand the nuances of any marketing channel is depth and time and experience and you know running and just borrowing in same thing on the like on the product side there's just a, such a key principle it's just to borrow into things and when it comes to again understanding what works on tiktok those micro nuances in terms of grabbing attention and you only have 10 seconds versus <laughs> maybe having a minute on youtube it makes all the difference in the world and you know i've rarely rarely seen a an expert in Google AdWords be able to make a transfer to a YouTube videos, for an example. It almost never happens. People really truly become an expert of one domain. So you have to just work with people that have figured those things out. Malcolm Gladwell has a, a really good study on this where he says it takes around 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. And no one is inherently born an expert. They just were given an advantage that gave them more hours of practice in whatever they excelled at. And I think back to... I've been managing Amazon ads for six years. And three years ago, I thought I knew what I was doing. And I look back now and I'm like, man, the industry has changed so much. But I've put in so many hours that it's really became second nature to me. And I think that's a perfect descriptor of, like you said, like riding that wave of every new thing that comes out. You can't be an expert at it because you're not going to have enough hours spread across all the platforms. And you really just... I would say if there's any summary of this podcast, it's to dive really deep at what you're good at and to spend a ton of time doing it and then find others to fill the gaps for all of your weaknesses. No, exactly. So there's a really important piece to that puzzle, which is to know thyself at a level of depth that very few humans get to. Right? We're back to depth. Doing every personality test that exists, Strength Finder, Disc, Colby, you know, Jordan Peterson's personality is like just do every personality test you can get your hands on. 
Why? Because every personality test will reveal things about your psyche, your natural strengths, your aversions that will help you find the zone of genius that you should really hyper-focus on. And I think that when you're getting started, there's certainly an experimentation phase that people need to go through. And to try a lot of things, you know, you might try copywriting for six months, you didn't like it, you try advertising, okay, you like that. But there's two general paths that people's career go in. One is to become a master generalist, and the second path is a master specialist. When it comes to advertising, it's typically more on the master specialist route, whereas marketing is to become a master generalist. Those are two very different journeys. And, you know, I've been more on the marketing side than the advertising side for the last you know decade or so. And it's really about understanding human nature and split testing and neurochemistry and angles and watching how the markets evolve and figuring out you know, what's the winning competitive advantage marketing product-wise that's going to allow us to win. Whereas advertising is about communicating what that advantage is, what the benefits are, what the features are in compelling ways, whether it's visually or text or, you know, music, et cetera. So it's two very different journeys. And even within the world of advertising, like, you know, I'm friends with some of the best SEO experts in the world. They tend to be hyper nerds, right? Like just, they understand data, they understand algorithms, just how their brains are wired. Whereas, um, and pay-per-click has some of that, but on pay-per-click, people that are, both right and left brain tend to do very well because they got the creative side and then they can you know try things and then analyze the data, learn from it, and then you know hone in that creativity until it resonates with the market, right? They start harmonizing and winning. So there's a big difference there in just in, in people's psychological nature. And I'd say it's very true for like every type of specialist. There's certain nuances psychologically that allow them to become better than their competitors. So I think doing personality tests, figuring (laughs) out what you're really excited about back to Friday night essence, and then spending the time and borrowing in to develop that mastery is how you win. Entrepreneurship is an incredible journey to self-awareness. And it's probably one of the things like I'll give a major shout out to Taylor because Taylor really pushed us to invest in this from our first six months of ever working together. When it was three of us, we were diving into every single test and trying to learn as much as possible. And that emotional maturity it pushed us to is probably the only reason that we are successful and still together to this day. I mean, we live thousands of miles apart. We meet up maybe four to five times a year. And there's a lot of dynamics, including our age and our maturity levels that probably should have not allowed us to succeed. But being able to be open-minded enough to learn about those nuances in our personality and our weaknesses and how they blend together was truly, I would say, the number one thing that has caused us to see the success that we have. And it's still a very long journey, but you can never go wrong by learning more about yourself and how you operate with others, whether it's your internal team or you know even your family and friends. It's, it's super important to go on that journey. Yeah, no, and like Strength Finder is one of my favorites. Now, Strength Finder will not necessarily reveal 
what your strengths are. It kind of reveals your potential strengths. And then I saw the weakness front is very accurate, but <laughs> it's a level of detail that's, that's pretty, pretty powerful. And then also groups into four different uh, arenas. So you can kind of see the bigger patterns. Um, but that's a really, really good one. And you just go to Gallup and Google Strength Finder. It's relatively inexpensive. And there's some deeper reports. And then if you work with somebody that's well-versed at deciphering your Strength Finder data, it's, it's very illuminating, very enlightening. Quick question. So mm-hmm. I have asked quite a few people this because I'm always really curious. Do you think it's more important to develop your strengths or fix your weaknesses? Well, straight out of the Strength Finder book, it's almost impossible to mm-hmm. outcompete someone by trying to work on your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And in the book, they talk about reading as an example. So they took two groups. One group was naturally good at reading and the other group was just naturally poor at reading. Mm-hmm. And they gave the same training to both groups. The group that was good at reading improved about 300%. And the group that was weak improved 50%. So it's just this exponential gain on the naturally strong side, whereas compared to the weak side. And we see that in athletics. You know, when it comes to athletics, it's primarily the top athletes have incredible genetics. And then when you give them the right training over time, they just become the best in the world. And every type of pro athlete, whether it's, again, fighting or NFL or baseball or soccer, the best athletes have the wiring, the genetic wiring, and of course, the training and the attitude and all of that stuff. But, you know, if you take the genetics out of it, um, most of them would not be at the level they are. It's just impossible. So, again, I think there are some key psychological strengths that everyone has. And that's why the personality tests are so important because once you're aware what those are, that's where if you're playing in that arena, you're going to be learning much faster, progressing faster, and eventually out-competing your competitors. Makes sense. Well, I feel like we could go on for probably another hour or two, but I'm not sure if that's what people are ready for. So one, I would love to hear anything, any recommendations you have on just learning resources, materials. I mean, you've mentioned so many quotes and you have such an incredible breadth of knowledge. So any recommendations you have for our audience, I would love to hear of. And then for people who want to hear more about what you have to offer, like your supplements and some of the other educational resources, I would love to hear about that. Yeah. Um, again, I have a blog. Um, I haven't been, I'm too busy creating things to <laughs> write things anymore. It would take me like three hours to write a blog post, but madgallant.tv. I have a free book there. It's like 82 pages on productivity called triple your productivity. A lot of people have told me they got a, a lot of value from that book and, you know, maximizing your output, high impact output is always one of the most important things, no matter where you're at in your career. Related to obviously maximizing your output is to optimize your brain. So we have Utopia and O-O-T-O-P-I-A. Destiny is a huge fan, super fan, <laughs> super customer. Um, we have 13 blends. I'm drinking Call of Genius on my left hand and Nectar X on my right hand. So yeah, Utopia has just been a, a game changer for me. I've been playing with nootropics. Nootropics are brain-enhancing supplements for about eight or nine years. And yeah, when I met Mark, Mr. Newts, our formulator, 
he's the best we've I've ever found by a long shot. And we just took his genius and packaged it and kind of systematized it. So yeah, no matter what your goals are or what your neurochemistry is, we have formulas and blends that we customize and personalize and we keep customizing and personalizing based on your feedback. So some people like a lot of stimulation, other people don't, we can modify that. We, we modify it all the time based on people's preferences. And then for overall health and biological optimization, as we call it, uh, we have bioptimizers.com is B-I optimizers, O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com. And our best-selling products are a seven magnesium blend. It's take two caps an hour before bed and almost everybody says the best sleep they've had in a long, long time. And we've come out with a new sleep formula called Sleep Breakthrough. You also combine that with the mag. And then, like I said earlier, we have all kinds of digestive aids from Masslines, our bestseller, P3OM, and other ones. So yeah, check it out. Optimizers.com, Utopia.com, and MattGallant.tv. I, I want to reiterate how amazing your products are. Uh, right now, I have BrainFlow and Apex stack this morning because I wasn't feeling too well and I had a lot to do in the new year. And it's one of my favorite ways to start the morning. As Matt said, it's truly customized. I mean, you fill out a full form on everything that you want to see, what your day-to-day is like. And there's no side effects. I think that's the biggest difference. I've always been the person that you know was bartending 70 hours a week. So I'd be stacking caffeine at 6 p.m. and Red Bull and all of these different things that would cause a crash. But with nootropics, it's not. It's like, I, I also just feel like I'm being healthy because I know your background. So I feel like I'm getting the stimulant effects with actually improving my brain instead of hurting it. So I, I cannot recommend these products enough. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Well, I honestly, this is one of my favorite podcasts we've recorded so far. I cannot thank you enough for being on. Cannot wait to hear everyone's feedback as well. And if yeah, you ever want to come back, let me know because we'd love to have you. No, it was a great conversation. I love, I love marketing. I love advertising. And I think my core passion that has driven me is just wanting to understand human nature and having that, the, the curiosity to understand what drives people, what motivates people. And once you figure that out, you're just a naturally good marketer and advertiser. So that's always fun. Well, thank you so much for adding so much value. You're welcome. Thanks. 